Hi, I'm Tammy Hicks-Jackson. Welcome to my podcast. I am a Christian pastor in the United Methodist tradition, and this podcast covers a variety of topics. You may find anything from Bible study and devotions to yoga and meditation from a Christian perspective to my thoughts on Christian leadership and the church. Look for the descriptions and the tags for each episode to find what you're interested in. And thanks for taking this journey with me. Let's jump into this episode. Joshua chapter 14, verse 1 through chapter 19, verse 51, in other words, all of 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19, are going to talk about the boundaries of the territories. The narrative and the boundary info is from this current time. Many of the city names have been added from a later monarchical time once they have a king. Eliezer succeeds his father Aaron as priest in the same way that Joshua succeeds Moses as leader of the people. The casting of lots is a ritual to remind the people that the tribal elders are not choosing the boundaries and allotting what each one gets, that it is God who is doing that action. In chapter 15, we see Caleb, the faithful scout, is going to receive reward. We also see this daughter, Aixa, is given as a prize to a warrior. On the positive side, this is inviting a warrior, a strong person, to be part of the family and the clan. On the negative side, we see that women are still property. There's a great degree of overlap to some of these boundaries. City names show up in in more than one list of a tribe's described territory, and it shows the very fluid nature of the occupation and the fluid nature of the boundaries between the tribes of Israel. In chapter 16, we see the repeated failure to drive out the inhabitants of the land who are there, and in some cases, they will choose to enslave them there. It reminds us that our desire to think that we can control sin and our vices is actually utter foolishness. In chapter 17, we're going to run across a name that I can't pronounce well. Zelophehad's daughters inherit because there are no sons. This goes back to Numbers chapter 27 verses 1 through 11. It undermines the absolute patriarchal system Um, that some try to establish and that we tend to think of when we look back. It shows that there have always been exceptions to rules for practicality and for mercy's sake. I love in chapter 17, verse 18, um, the Josephites come with a sense of entitlement and they're told, you want more land? Go take it. Chapters 18 and 19 show us an increasing incompleteness of the task. We move from completely taking the territory and driving everyone out to the complete failure of the tribe of Dan. Simeon's land is carved out of that of Judah, and Dan fails to occupy its allotment, but then they annihilate a city that is not part of their inheritance, and they rename the city from Leshem to Dan. Joshua gets his very own city as a reward. Um, It reminds me almost of the arrangement that we as Americans have with Washington, D.C., a city um, surrounded by our country, but not really part of it. 
In chapter 20, we revisit cities of refuge. For more on those, go back to Numbers chapter 35 and Deuteronomy chapter 19. Moses has already established three cities east of the Jordan. We find that in Deuteronomy 4. Now there are three additional cities west of the Jordan, and they are roughly equidistant from one another. Chapter 21 um, creates Levitical cities. Remember the The priests, the tribe of Levi, do not get an allotment or an inheritance of the land. They get cities distributed among all the other tribes, 48 of them to be um, total, distributed among the descendants of Aaron and the three clans, the Kohathites, the Gershonites, and the Merarites. The chapter ends, despite what we've seen as the varying levels of success for each of the tribes, by declaring that the Lord has fulfilled every promise. In chapter 22, the conquest campaign comes to an end and the tribes are released to go home. We're no longer in a war and conquer state. We're going to begin to live. When the tribes cross back over to the, to the far side of the Jordan, they build an altar there. And the other tribes, the tribes on the western side, find this so egregious that they now want to go to war with them. This goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 12, where it was made clear that all the worship of the Hebrew people was to happen at the one place that God chooses. And right now, this is Shiloh. So this is seen as blasphemy and idolatry. However, once we discuss it, we see that there are differing views of obedience. There is a great fear of the future. The tribes east of the Jordan are afraid that one day they will not be considered a part, that they're going to be rejected. This is part of human nature, to have differing views, to be afraid of the future, and to create factions. It happens in every church I've ever been in. It's part of human nature. They work it out, um, thankfully without violence, and they choose to declare this altar as a witness, a sign of connectedness rather than division, very much like the stones that are removed from the Jordan River to testify and remind. And it shows us that differences can be bridged. We can settle our differences even with competing views without violence. In chapter 23, much time has passed. Joshua has gotten old. In chapter 23, verse 11, we see very clearly that love is defined as exclusive loyalty, and it is expressed in obedience. Chapter 23, verse 12, I would like for you to cross-reference that with Ezra, chapter 9, verse 1 through 15, and 1 Kings, chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. In verse 13, what was given as an unconditional promise in the past is now presented as conditional, conditional upon their continued obedience. And in the book of Judges, we're going to see that the nations that they've allowed to remain are now going to be considered a test to Israel's love and loyalty. In chapter 24, they renew the covenant at Shechem. They choose once again the God who has chosen them. It should remind us of chapter 8, verses 30 through 35. The ceremony incorporates a lot of elements of an ancient international treaty ceremony. The parties are identified. The history is reviewed. The stipulations of the covenant or treaty are stated. They call witnesses and they erect a stella, a monument or a reminder, and then the agreement is recorded. The word serve appears 16 times in the 24th chapter. So it's a huge theme. 
Israel is passive in this story, in the covenant story. God is the actor. God is the one who is active. In this case, history is truly his story. God, rather than Moses, becomes the central figure now for Israel. In chapter 24, verse 15, we see a very common saying that we often see in things that we place in our homes. Choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua dies at 110 years of age. Eliezer dies as well. And the deaths of Joshua and Eliezer represent the close of the conquering and occupation era of Israel in the same way that the deaths of Moses and Aaron closed the Exodus and wilderness era. And with the book of Judges, we will move into a whole different era for the people of Israel.